Hey guys, just wanted to say before we start this episode that uh, we had so much fun making this episode that we decided that about halfway through we were going to start this as a multi-episode project. So we're going to have episode one out on time normally. Uh, We are going to try to get the second episode done within the next week to get it out on schedule. Um, And we're going to go from there and kind of see where we're at with episode two. I don't want to make this like a four-hour episode type thing, so we're definitely going to be breaking this up into multiple episodes. Um, But I just wanted to let you guys know that so that when you get to the end of this podcast episode and it kind of ends abruptly, uh, that is why. We're going to be finishing up recording soon. So uh, I'm also going to put a message at the end of the podcast just to remind you. Thank you for listening, guys. We always appreciate all the support and... uh, Enjoy the episode talking about Final Fantasy VIII. Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Irvin is like is like that guy that's like, <laughs> while you were on the internet, I was studying the sword. And like, he's... But, but, but he's actually kind of cool. But, but he's also that guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's like a weeb that they just shoved into Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. He's fucking awesome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Gaming Effect. We're here with Episode 8, our special Final Fantasy 8 episode, the one we've been waiting so long to uh, record. I'm your co-host, Alex, a.k.a. Soldier First Class. And I am Corey, a.k.a. Dookie03. And uh, welcome back, guys. I want to thank you guys. We are above 300 plays now uh, in total, and... Really, really excited about that. Um, it's uh, It's been a journey, but we're here with episode 8. Finally, we've been talking about this since before we ever even started this podcast. In fact, I would say that we've been talking about doing this since uh, really a couple years ago when we did a podcast uh, episode on your channel talking about all of the Final Fantasy series. We got up to 6, but then at the end we kind of, I know Shocker, went on a tangent, and we started talking about Final Fantasy 8. And mostly about Irvine being a, what he thinks is a pussy magnet. And <laughs> a ladies so, man. A ladies man, yeah. So we're here to talk about Final Fantasy VIII today. Uh, we're going to start off per usual with, uh, you know, the introduction, uh, what we've been playing, and uh, then we're going to get right into it. So uh, that being said, uh, don't forget you guys can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and my YouTube channel right here if you're watching this uh, on video form. And uh, thanks for all the shares, all the ratings. We're up to 11 five-star ratings now, I believe. Uh, And it it is definitely appreciated. So keep rating, keep sharing, and uh, keep doing some of the legwork for us when it comes to advertising. Keep being awesome. Yeah, keep being awesome. So, uh, Corey... What yes. have you been playing lately? Uh, I know you kind of pretty much gave up on WrestleQuest, but uh, yeah. give us give us a brief <laughs> kind of reason why, and then go into what you've been playing lately. So, uh, yeah, WrestleQuest was just, it was like, all the movement was like very slow, the story was like just dragging, the combat was like, I call it like, 
Legend of Dragoon syndrome, where it's like, like Legend of Dragoon is a phenomenal game. So don't hate on me for this. I love the the game, the story and all that. But Legend of Dragoon has like, every time you get into a random encounter, there goes the next 20 minutes of your life because you've got to do like all those additions and all, all those like, yeah, hit the timed combos and stuff. But this was, WrestleQuest was actually worse because it was literally every every battle was a series of like quick time events basically in order to win and it was it was just i don't know it wasn't it wasn't grabbing me by the balls like i like a lot of other jrpgs do i put in about and i think i was like 10 hours in maybe more and so i mean i i gave it a good gave it the old college try and it just wasn't doing it for me and i think the fact that i I knew in the back of my mind, hey, I could be playing Sea of Stars right now, a game I've been looking forward to since I finished The Messenger back in like 2019. So it uh, it, it had to get kind of tossed by the wayside. Maybe someday I'll go back to it. Uh, the, the All the references and all that stuff was really cool. Like I'm a big old school pro wrestling fan. I'm, I didn't even realize I'm wearing a pro wrestling shirt right now. Um, but... Yeah, it just it just wasn't doing it for me as a JRPG. But yeah, I'm playing Sea of Stars now and it's been fucking awesome. So there's that. If you like Chrono Trigger, um Dragon Quest, um Golden I'm Sun. Told, yeah. I was gonna say I'm told it's similar to Golden Sun, but I haven't played Golden Sun in so long and I've never finished it. So that's you something need to play else it. I, I need Great to go series. back and play. I remember like just like spamming summons like since this is the final fantasy 8 podcast it's kind of similar like where i was like i just remember like spamming summons like every battle i'd be like okay i'm not even gonna attack i'm just gonna keep spamming summons i remember doing that a lot um but uh yeah it's got a lot of little it's got a lot of sega cd jrpg references as well which is really cool because there's not a lot of people i feel that have played a lot of sega cd jrpgs um, and they definitely need some more love, I think. Um, and then we've also, I don't think we started this before the last podcast, did we? But we've been playing Dragon Quest Ten together. I don't remember if we had started playing it last episode or not, but I think it, it was pretty close if we hadn't. It might have been the literally the day after we it recorded. It was. We actually, it actually was, because we recorded our episode on Friday. And Saturday, we had our morning stream that we did, and then our afternoon stream that we did together of Dragon yeah. Quest X. So, Where yeah, we it, it was it for like 10 hours straight, basically. Yeah, the, the podcast was directly before we started playing. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's been great. Um, it's nice now that the Clarity Project is out. Uh, the story is really well fan translated now. Uh, whereas before I had to trans every translate everything for chat. I'd keep running into kanji I wasn't fucking familiar with, so I'm like holding up my my Google Translate phone to the screen, and then keeping up with chat and all that. It it was kind of a nightmare. I I was getting literal headaches from translating for like long periods of time. Um, it's so nice now to be able to just play through it and have everything in English. If you guys are interested in playing Dragon Quest Ten. The trial version is free. It goes all the way up to right before, apparently, the final boss of version two, which is like the second uh, expansion of the game. So you're basically getting two full Dragon Quest games 
that happen to be an MMO, but you can play through them pretty much by yourself if you want. Um, go to Dragon Quest X Abbey. So dqxabbey.com. It's got a step-by-step guide on how to create an account and um, set up the Clarity Project, which translates all the story and everything. And then there's an AI translator you can sign up for that does all like the NPC dialogue and player dialogue and stuff like that. And as somebody who has recently done it themselves, it's actually really easy to install and stuff. So if you are interested in playing it, uh, it's very, very easy to install. I was able to do it within, what, probably 20, 30 minutes? Yeah, and I don't think you were sober when you did it either. No, I definitely was not. <laughs> Just make sure you follow the steps, because if you miss a step, then then you might get lost a little bit. Right, but it, it completely translates it, and it's it's really, really good. Um, I, I think it's better played with other people, but it is definitely yeah. doable solo. Um, one warning, one caveat I can give you of this game is that the traversal... System. Yeah, the world's too big. The world's way too big. It, it yeah. should not be near as big as it is, and it takes a long time to get from like one town to the next or one mm-hmm. town to the next area. So keep that in mind that traversal is kind of a slog. But so far for me, and this is coming from somebody that you can ask Corey, I do not play Dragon Quest games. I do not. I've been a Final Fantasy fan my whole life, unfortunately. Uh <laughs> And uh, I have never really gotten into Dragon Quest. I played a little bit of Eleven, um, and it's the only Dragon Quest game that I've played besides Eleven. And I'm really, really enjoying Ten. And I, I think a lot of it is because I'm playing with Corey, but a lot of it too is that it's it's very well presented and very well done. Um, yeah, it, is. it was one of the games that Yoshi P actually worked on before Final Fantasy fourteen. So you know that somebody that has created quality games has worked on it. Um, yeah, I, I've been really enjoying our playthrough of it together. And in fact, yeah, we're you good. know playing it on Saturdays and stuff together. Saturday, yeah, Saturday mornings. mornings on my Twitch channel if you want to check it out. Twitch.tv slash Dookie03. Shameless plug. But uh, <laughs> I've also been playing the shit out of Starfield on PC Game Pass. Ah, right, right. And I, and I gotta say... I was expecting this game to be a dumpster fire, to be honest, because the yeah, way because of all the stuff people have been saying online, well, and stuff. all the stuff people have been saying online, the review scores being lower than I expected. Like, I think it's dropped to an 84 or an 83 or something like that now on Metacritic. And that's not See? what I expected. Like, I expected this game to be like a 90 to 92. Like, this was the game that that everybody said, oh, this is make or break for Xbox. This is the 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 game of the century like this is going to be right. the game that people are playing and I, so i went into it thinking like okay with all the reviews and stuff like this game is trash like whatever but my a friend of mine craig was playing it and he's like okay you know there's some minor annoyances but it does have a good base to it you know whatever so i was like here's what i'll do i will i will pay for pc game pass i will pay the $10 or whatever for the PC Game Pass, I'll download it, I'll play it, and I'll try it, and if I don't like it, I'm only out $10, I'm not out the 70 for the game, like, yeah. I will just do it on Game Pass. So I downloaded it, started playing it, and, like, from the get-go, I was hooked. And I was kind of shocked, because I'd been told that, like, the first 10 hours was was really rough, 
Yeah, that's what I heard. Like the first ten to twelve hours were like right, the, kind of and the I, worst part of the game. And I don't think that's true. I, I, to me, I was hooked from the beginning. Uh, I realized today that I had not done anything in the main story yet, and I've been playing for several hours. The side quests are really, really well done. Uh, I literally did a side quest where I did not realize that the reward for the quest was going to be an entire spaceship. Yeah, that, that's that, awesome. that was a complete upgrade over my beginning ship. And I was I was really shocked by it, but the quest chain allowed me to do that to where I got this new ship. And now it's my main ship. And there's a lot... I don't want to spoil anything because it is a brand new game, but the side quests are really fucking good. Like, really in-depth. Like, uh, there's one where you are... There's, like, this alien monster type thing mm -hmm. and you have to like lead it into this alleyway because you go to the kind of like this desolate planet and you have to lead it into an alleyway where the person that you're working with has this turret system and you have to lure it in so that it, the turret the turret system kills it then you have to like take a sample of its dna give it to this researcher and then like now i'm on a mission where i'm trying to eradicate this alien being from invading and destroying all life in the in the galaxy. It's just a side quest. And that's just a side quest. <laughs> like I I feel like this could have been the main story. Right. And it would be like it would be good. But I haven't even done like hardly any of the main story. I only just started doing main story quests again today and it's good. I, I The only complaints I really have right now are that you do not have any uh, vehicles outside of your ship. So, right, you were saying when you're right. on the ground, you're kind of like walking everywhere. Yeah, you're hoofing it everywhere. Um, the companions are really good. Uh, the only other thing that I don't like is that it does not have a dedicated city map system. So you kind of have to remember where everything is at by memory, which when you go to these hub cities, you kind of like you go there for quests and stuff anyway. And you go through the city a lot and you start to pick up on where things are. And there's like sometimes it'll be called the commercial district. So you'll know that you have to go there okay. if you want to sell stuff or whatever. Yeah. But the problem is there's no dedicated map so that it can be easy to get lost even in the hub cities. Oh. Um, and even when you go like. I expected when you go to an uncharted planet or a planet that you're sent to or whatever, that as you explore, explore the the map will start to fill come in, in. will will fill in and come into view and everything else, but it doesn't do that. And oh. I don't know. So there's if, no mini map at all when you're on like, there's, a planet. Well, there's a mini map and it helps guide you to places and stuff. But the actual like if you were to open your map itself, mm -hmm. it will show you the landmarks available. And you have to get there, but it doesn't show you the lay of the land or, like, if you're in a city. Oh, so right. you're, if you're out in the, not in a city or something, or even in a city, you could be, like, in a canyon that does not connect to where your objective is kind of thing. Right. The good so thing is... trying to, like, find your way there. <laughs> right. The good thing is the game has a gravity system. So if you're, like, in a canyon on, like, let's say the moon, for example. Yeah. Well, obviously... Yeah. obviously the moon's gravity is different from our gravity, so you can jump higher. Oh, jump and get above. Right, your jetpack can take you higher, stuff like that. So, 
there's there's ways that you can get around some of the minor annoyances. But other than that, I, I'm really enjoying my time with the game, and I think people that are going into it, looking at the reviews and looking at whatever, it's a Bethesda game. Like, you know what you're going to get with a Bethesda game, but I think they definitely... I like this game already more than I like Skyrim and Fallout 4. So for that to be the case, that's pretty solid in my opinion. Yeah, I think the problem with uh, not even modern gaming, it's modern gamers, is like 82, like 8.2 out of 10, this game's shit. Yeah. That's a really good score. Like, dude... People have no idea, man. Like, there's and nothing even, wrong with even, a 6 out of 10, for fuck's sakes. Right, even 10 out of 10 games have flaws. Exactly, which is why they're not a 10 out of 10. I, I don't know if I could say any game is a 10 out of 10. Like, I know on YouTube there was, like, it recently, like, this, uh, I don't want to call it a fad, but everyone was making, these are the these are my 10 out of 10 JRPGs, or... 10 out of 10 Super Nintendo JRPGs or whatever. And, like, a lot of my favorite YouTubers were doing this. But, like, there is no such thing, man. There's always some kind of flaw. Like, there's always something that they could have done better. Well, and it's all subjective anyway. It is very subjective. The only game I can think of that is a 10 out of 10, and it's not even my favorite game ever, because personal taste, like, like, you can have a 10 out of 10 game, but your personal taste can still prefer another game you know what i mean but the only 10 out of 10 game i can think of that's a jrpg is chrono chrono trigger like there's I would nothing agree with that. there's the only thing i would take out of that game is that stupid fucking race with with johnny god i hate the, that uh, thing i hate that race man it's it's i did a i did a top top and worst five jrpg mini games video like four years ago and that that was up there because it's such a flawless game and it's just like the whole race is so pointless because you're just like like you're just going back and forth anyways. You boost. Oh, look at that. And now I'm back. Like like you just have to boost right before the finish line and you win the race every time. Like it's it's the dumbest, most useless. Yeah, pretty much. Game <laughs> I agree. But uh, other than that, like it's flawless, but you could still have personal preference and, and, and prefer other games. But like, as I've played many, many six out of ten games and absolutely love them. Like, it's all comes down to personal preference, what you like and dislike about games. Not, not even that game in particular, but just why you play games in general, right? Well, and people take too much stock in in the Metacritic scores anyway, because if you look at it, it's literally just an aggregate score. Yeah, it's just of of all, of all of the scores that, that that have been submitted to the website. So, you getting mad over a game that you hate getting a 92 and a game that you love getting a, an 82 like yeah. it doesn't matter because to you that game is a 92 so why exactly. does it matter what metacritic fucking says cuz it does it's it's literally just a, a it's a good guide like it's, it's, a, a, gauge. it's a gauge yeah we said it at the same time oh my uh, god <laughs> but like yeah, I, I do still want to do a, a podcast episode where we talk about, like, games that we recognize are really good games that just aren't for us, as well as games from genres that we, di- we like, generally would not like or play that we loved. Like, I, I definitely want to do an episode about that at some point. Right. And, and Because there, there are a lot of outliers, 
And I think they deserve to be talked about. You know what I mean? Well, like, I'm not a huge first person shooter fan, but I love time splitters. Like, dude, everybody tells me those games are so good and I've never played them. Time splitters 2 is an all time classic. Is it on PS2? Yes. I think, yeah, yes, I think so. I think it was the only only PS2 first person shooter I played was uh, the Serious Sam games. You ever play those? Those are fun as shit, too. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, uh, it's almost like a twin stick shooter, but it's a first person shooter. You're just like running backwards and shooting people, basically. All right. So, the moment you've all been waiting for the main event of the evening. Final Fantasy Eight. I still have my original discs. You also have your original discs. What happened to your case? <laughs> well, I don't know. Over oh. <laughs> over over many moves over the years, I have uh, damaged cases. Moves. It is, dude. Every time I lose something in a move, damn! Uh, every single time. Now, do yours have the black? I think so. Yeah. Backgrounds on or the I can black. See- I can see a reflection of your computer screen. I know. It's weird that you got Pornhub open while we're streaming this or uh, recording this. Yeah, mine's mine's the uh, black. I mean, how many how many do you think how many times do you think I've had that open while we've been just talking in Discord? All the times. Every time. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so I think it's cool because like back, look at that shit. Oh yeah, dude! I miss having that case. I had the strategy guide too at one time, and I you can probably still buy the greatest hits version from Square Enix's website because I got my buddy Mike a copy of Chrono Cross like last year for Christmas off of Square Enix's website. Nice, brand new. They still uh, sell PS One games there. At least they did like a year ago. Now, what I always loved about these is that you kind of. With with these discs, they had the characters on the cover. So you had Squall. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, you had you had Squall, Renoa, Cipher, oh, yeah, and yeah, Laguna. Yeah. Um, which I find it interesting see, that Laguna is disc four, because I would have thought that's like the only disc you never play as him. I think, isn't it? Uh, n- y- yes, I think you're right. But the reason why I think it's weird is that yes, the game kind of ends on a high note with him. But I would have thought that the fourth person would have been possibly uh, Idea or Ultimecia, uh, but it's yeah. Laguna. But Ultimecia I, would have been a good, good I, choice. I also think that the reason why they chose to put Laguna was because, you know, obviously without being a major playable character, you can play as him, but I wouldn't say that in the overall, like, playtime, you probably spend, what, 30 minutes of the entire game playing as Laguna? Yeah, maybe an hour. Yeah, maybe, maybe an, an hour. hour. Um, maybe a little more. But so that being said, much. like, I, I see why they did it, but I would have thought, like, Idea or, uh, you know, Ultimisia would have been, because, like, she's the villain, so you would think yeah. that, that would be the case. But, so let's get a little bit of history on Final Fantasy VIII. So we have Yoshinori Kitase, who directed Final Fantasy VII uh, as the director of VIII. We have Kazushige Nojima, who was the scenario writer, uh, who also worked on Seven and prior titles. Tetsuya Nomura, who was the character designer, who also did a little bit of story on this game, um, but uh, was mainly the character designer. Uh, he'd also worked on titles like Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy VI, uh, as a monster designer. Uh, we have Nobuo Imatsu as the composer, 
of course. Classic yeah, Umatsu. One of the greatest soundtracks in gaming, maybe in anything ever. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah. And as a longtime veteran of the series and the creator of the ATB system, Hiroyuki, Hiroyuki Ito as a lead designer. So, if you notice in that, I did not mention a very integral part of the Final Fantasy franchise. The Gooch! The Gooch! Hironobu Sakaguchi was not involved with Final Fantasy VIII's development. It clearly shows, uh, but we'll get into that a little bit. But I want to give a brief history. This is the first time in the entire franchise that Hironobu Sakaguchi did not have anything to do with a mainline Final Fantasy game. And Shinji Hashimoto stepped in to become the producer for Final Fantasy VIII, who a lot of you may know as the brand manager or former brand manager of Final Fantasy and the producer of the Kingdom Hearts titles. Uh, Sakaguchi, in his own words, wanted to give Kitase and the team a chance to do something that they wanted to make. Despite not agreeing with a lot of decisions made on the game, he allowed them to do what he what they wanted with it. Uh, and I think that definitely shows this is like the oh, first yeah. time where you can see Kitase's like development philosophy and Nomura's development philosophy kind of like come to the forefront of the Final Fantasy series. And this is kind of the first time where the franchise would turn in this direction of storytelling and the way it went in the future. And the roots of modern Final Fantasy are based in Final Fantasy VIII, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we talked about Umatsu's score, and I, I, I wrote down, and I have a lot of notes for this podcast because I wanted to do this very thoroughly because right. I love this fucking game. So uh, what's the first song that comes to your mind when you think of Final Fantasy VIII? There's two. There's the Blom Garden theme and then Fisherman's Horizon, but they're not my favorites. But as soon as I think of Final Fantasy VIII, those are the ones that come to mind. Right, same. What is your favorite, though? Man with the Machine Gun, baby. Dude, that's got to be everybody's favorite, right? <laughs> fucking classic song. That's such a good song. It's such a fucking banger, dude. Considering like our... it's like a regular battle theme, too. Like once, right. Like, once you play as Laguna or whatever. Right. It's just a battle theme for Laguna and his crew. And it's like, holy shit, you know? Uh, So uh, the list so of songs that I wrote down, just off the top of my head, I I wrote down, obviously, the 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 main big theme of final fantasy eight is uh eyes on me oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. created by umatsu with fei wong uh singing the lyrics uh which i believe other than sephiroth's theme song this is the one of the very first times that a jrpg had voices in it like the song yeah but and it came in oh yeah in in general too yeah 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 right so eyes on and me. Lib, lib, what is it? How do you say it? Liberi fatal, fatalis or something? The like opening theme. Liberi Liberi well. fatale. Yeah. Uh, that one had. I have that one written down as number two. Breezy, which is the uh, the town outside of Balam Garden. I think it's oh, actually okay. Balam. I think Balam. that yeah. yeah. Uh, town or whatever. Yeah, town it's breezy is the theme for that. Uh, I have I six. Remember that succession one. of witches. Which is, I believe, the like the piano theme, like the yeah yeah yeah. Amy, uh, Shuffle or Boogie, Balam Garden, Blue Fields, Fisherman's Shuffle or Boogie. That's the triple triad. Yep. Theme, right. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Waltz for the Moon, which is the dance scene. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, find Your Way, Force Your Way, which is actually the boss theme, uh, Don't Be Afraid, which is the battle theme, Man with the Machine Gun, and Julia. Now, I want to point something out, because I, I did a little research on this on this uh, OST before I we started this. Yeah. None of the characters have a named theme song. Oh, that's weird, because usually they, especially in, like, the Super NES era, they really did. Yeah, so... And I think the reason why that is is that this is not a story that focuses on several characters. And when I I say that, I want to preface this by saying, like, yes, I know that there is a party to this game. Yes, I know that the characters, there's a lot of characters. I know that they all have important roles. What I mean is that, and I believe Umatsu is credited with saying that this game focuses on Squall. It really does. So... There is no theme for characters because this is Squall's story. We are Squall, and everyone else is just an accessory to him. Whether they have important roles in the story or not is irrelevant. This story is about Squall and, in extension, Renoa. So there is no character theme for anyone except one person, Julia. And and the reason why I find that so awesome is that Julia is a character that is literally the turning point in so many people's lives in this game that she True. has that she has her own dedicated theme and I think that's super cool and I don't know if anybody else has ever pointed that out but yeah she's the only one with a named theme it's literally called Julia like in the past you'd have like oh uh Saban's theme. Saban's theme. or theme. Mog's theme. Right. There was a theme, you know. I think Final Fantasy VII had a couple that were, like, such and such theme or whatever. But, like, okay, Sephiroth had One-Winged Angel, uh, Birth of a God, stuff like that. So there wasn't, like... It wasn't that characters didn't have themes, but named themes was a thing. Yeah, Um, yeah. And Liberi Fatale is a is a song that's like worldwide known. Like it's been used at the Olympics. Yeah, uh, I think a synchronized swimming it's team played at the uh, sushi restaurant that I in my city sometimes. Actually. Really, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool as hell. Yeah. Um, if I ever come up I there, like, we're gonna. I remember have to go. I was like, I was like eating, I was like eating there. I was like, what the fuck? This is like a fucking Final Fantasy VIII song. That's awesome. Uh, Eyes on me is weird because when I downloaded the uh, Final Fantasy VIII soundtrack today. Uh, Eyes on Me was not on there, and I I think that might be a licensing thing. Yeah, probably. With, it's probably to do with Faye and her yeah. like probably I don't know if she owns part of the song or if it's like because Indeed. it's her her voice that they're whatever, but it's not yeah. on the soundtrack, which is weird because it's like the the fucking it's the theme of the game, like it's mm-hmm. the theme. I actually played that one at my wedding. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're fucking losers, but uh. <laughs> No way, man. Yeah, fucking, this game's awesome. Okay, so. You gotta own it. Opening sequence. Probably. Ever. This is, this is what I. Okay, so Resident Arc did a podcast on 8, where they did like a whole series of podcasts, and they analyzed this. And I, I agree with them to an extent, and then other things that I don't. And this is one thing where I, I lean towards agreeing with them, and it's because every game needs a hook. Right. Mm -hmm. And in some way, Final Fantasy VIII's opening is a hook. But I I often wonder 
if a better hook would not have been the Dalit mission. But then there would have yeah, had to have been a lot of rewrites and stuff like yeah, that. I think, I think, yeah, no, this is a good hook. Because then, it, like, it kind of grabs you by the balls. You want to know more, right? right. You're, you're shown all this crazy shit. But then you can tell, you can tell what's happening right now. And what's, like, kind of, like, premonition, if you will. You know what right. I mean? It's It's a look into what's going to happen. And I think... yeah. This is this is one thing that I'm so conflicted on in projects where Tetsuya Nomura and Yoshinori Kitase and Kazushiga Nojima work, work on past Final Fantasy VIII, like or Final Fantasy VII, I should say. Yeah, they have this almost need every game that they create now that follows this formula. We're going to introduce this great mystery. We're not going to tell you what that mystery is until. 30 hours into the game. <laughs> yeah. But you have to pick up the pieces of that mystery as you go. And that's fine. I I, I think that's an okay way to tell a story. Yeah. But at the same time, you run into problems where they do not convey the story in the story. Yeah, you well have, enough. Yeah. Right. You have to find pieces on your own. Like, for example, uh, you don't find out that Guardian Forces... Uh, destroy people's memory. Well, you find out at the basketball court. Well, you do, but you didn't know that before unless you read the desk at Squall's school. Right, I forgot that so it's in there. Yeah, so if you so read... like the message board and stuff. Right, yeah. So if you read the desk, you find out super early. But if you don't, then you don't find this out till I think, disc three when you're at the destroyed garden. And you're on the basketball court and everybody's talking about how they don't remember stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that, I have a problem with that type of storytelling because sometimes I feel like there are times when telling the audience what they need to know is okay. Should be, should be pretty front and center. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. like, it's cool too sometimes. And I'm not going to say that I, I hate it completely because I yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. But I do feel like sometimes this team has a an unnecessary almost desire or need to do their stories in this way because Final Fantasy XIII yeah. is kind of the same way. Like if you, the data logs and stuff. You got Yeah, you have uh, to that's read. That's way worse. And, but, right, it's yeah. way worse in thirteen. But you have to read yeah. and read and read and like if you yeah. miss these subtle hints, the exposition should be like there. Like you, right? Like even even if even if there's like subtle hints. They should be part of the progression of the game's story. It well, and the, be, the other thing too, document for you to read, right? And it almost makes certain characters a means to an end instead of being meaningful. Like, yeah. like, okay, Irvine does the big reveal in the in the orphanage later on in the game, and you're like, yeah, isn't oh. he like I knew the whole time, assholes? Yeah, he kind of is. He's kind of <laughs> like he's kind of like i don't i didn't understand why you guys didn't remember these people but this is matron like this is adea like mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's like part I... of the reason why he got nervous to to shoot her because he's like i know her yeah. but but they don't i guess in some way it's it's good that they have that character that is like i knew this but i didn't know how to bring it up to you guys kind of thing yeah, I've but never at the actually same time that 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 might be a reason why he had such an issue with shooting her. I've never actually thought about that before. Right, and and that's those are those little subtle hints that you that you get, but at the same time, like present some of those things in dialogue. Yeah, be like, 
Oh yeah, I, it's I hard know. to have it's it's hard to have an aha moment when there's no hints leading up to that aha moment. Well, and I think that's why a lot of people struggle with the plot twist of this game because they're like that came out of nowhere. But if you if you yeah. really really look, it feels it feels like conveniently trying to fix bad writing when it happens. Right, and it, it yeah. in some ways I agree with them. In other in a lot of ways I don't because I think that the plot twist was actually set up pretty well but it did rely on knowledge that you may or may not have to that point and i think that's where the flaw for me is is that that you may or may not know the context of what of why they don't remember so it can be a little iffy or it can be felt like it's a throwaway line right like yeah it's just one of those things i appreciate vastly um little details that players who are really into a game can go and find out that improve the lore deepen the world that you're that the game takes place in and all that stuff but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be at the cost of like something that's a huge plot twist like it shouldn't be something that's a huge plot twist down the road that the average player is completely oblivious about because then it, it does, it feels like they just like, they're like, actually, uh, well, actually know this. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. To like, instead, instead of like, it, it would have looked smart if they would have, if they would have had that in there and they could have had it when uh, at the beginning, when squalls in class, right. They could have been finishing up a lesson right with with uh Quistus. and and the end of the lesson was all right guys remember blah 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 uh gfs um we need to we need to talk about gfs and and their effect on the mind next week or whatever right next week's class they could have that's all they would have had to have done is something like that and then we would have been like oh dude they were talking about that at the beginning of the game right. but because they didn't and it's like like you shouldn't have exposition that that relates to the main story in a major plot twist hidden like that in 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 like side content Uh, yeah i totally agree and that's one of the reasons why i really loved uh watching uh resonant arc and their podcast about final fantasy 8 because i loved final fantasy 8 before i listened to them and then they were able to tell me things that i didn't know you know that they that they had discovered or that fans had sent in like because what they do is they basically uh, they play a little bit of the game, they talk about it. They play a yeah. little bit of the game, they talk about it, and they release these episodes, and people will comment and so say, "Oh, very fresh in their mind, too, right. right?" And and they're able to and and the comment section will be like, "Hey, uh, oh, did you talk to this NPC at this certain point? Because at this certain point, this NPC will, re- will reveal a pretty significant thing in the story, but if you don't talk to them, you miss it." Yeah, and so that's it's that's cool when it's little details because it fleshes them out more and makes the world feel more right. alive. But it's not cool when it's something that pertains to the main character's story. Right. And then it's like it's it's different to 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 build upon the story, but you shouldn't re- you shouldn't like replace the story, restore like rip a piece of the story out and put it as right a side content thing if that but, makes uh, sense you know what i think and and this will be the last thing i say about the that part of it but i think what would have really been cool too is like 
you have all these hints that, that Guardian forces have an effect on people's minds. But do we really see somebody that has overdone it? Yeah, they should have thrown someone like that in there. Like, I think it would have been really cool to be like, okay, this guy literally is like fucked up. Almost like Yu Yevin. The way Yu Yevin was where he was no longer Yu Yevin. He was like this being that just summoned sin because that's what he always did and that's what he does now is like every time sin is destroyed yeah, really, he does it again. Yeah, really. He knows at this point. Right. Yeah. So they should have had like a character like maybe like the this guy our sick kind of guy where Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean like a summoning sickness like somebody right. that's messed I think that up I think that would have been and they don't know why, but they're pretty sure it's because of this. Right, that I think that would have been cool. That would have been a good way to put it. And there might be, and I just haven't discovered it or never heard of it, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think they went that in-depth with... I think they basically just used the Guardian Force thing as a means to an end and didn't really expand yeah. on it a whole lot. But um, So we talked about the opening sequence. Um, an interesting thing that we realize after the fact is that it's just practice. Yeah, they're just but going I mean, after each other for practice, and it, just I mean, like you've played sports, how, right? How light sparring always goes, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, we've all had that friend or that teammate or whatever that went a little too far, and obviously, you know, Cipher went a little too far, Squall went a little too far in return, and ended up in it the happens. infirmary and stuff. Yeah. It it just happens. It's a but it, mm-hmm. it's Japan has this tradition of morning practice where before school, if you're in a sport yeah. or you're in a club or anything like that, you have morning practice before school starts. And then, and then like, school it's, it's a very, well. it's a very big tradition. So you can see where the Japanese traditions and styles have been firmly placed in the, in the, in the game and have yeah. really been expanded upon here. Um, so, Another note that I wrote down is that Liberi Fatale's Latin isn't actually Latin. It's an anagram of the words succession of witches and love. Oh, weird. Yeah. So the like the the beginning lyrics like the uh, yeah do set that yeah that is literally just succession of witches and love as an anagram. Mm. Um. Another note what's that a, I have. What's an anagram? It's where you rearrange the letters of something to make a, a new word or a new, like, word scheme or whatever. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Ja- Japanese has a fuck ton of those. Yeah, so, like, the 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 lyrics, like, the, the lyric of that is literally just the words, succession of witches and love, rearranged in a pattern to make lyrics. Right, right. Um, another uh, thing that I had written down that I wanted to make sure that we know is that the military group is called Seed, and the places where seeds are trained is called a garden. So that is a that's a, that's a correlation that we're going to discuss a little bit later when we get to a special summon. Uh, but also oh, just a thing, yeah, just a thing to note. That there is influences and stuff outside of just Japanese culture mm-hmm. and Final Fantasy and stuff like that in play here. Dude, I... So, the guy that got me in to Final Fantasy in general and 8... Like, I played Final Fantasy 1, but I was, like, really young. It was on the NES, and it was way harder to understand as a fucking six-year-old than Dragon Warrior 1 was. Um, but... Uh, so the next one I played was eight, right? That was like the that was I consider eight my first Final Fantasy. Um 
But the guy that told me about the, the whole reason I picked it up was because one of my classmates was like, dude, Final Fantasy VII is fucking awesome, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I went to the, I went to, uh, I think it was Walmart because we don't really have any like game stores around here. I went to Walmart and I was like, I want to get, my friend told me to get Final Fantasy VII. And the guy working at, at the store was like, you should get Final Fantasy VIII. It's the newest one. It just came out and it's way better. And I was like, fuck yeah, brother. Wow. So I I'm got, surprised somebody said that. Well, it was new, right? And oh, yeah, true. When when something new comes out, it's always better. Right. Um, so I grabbed it. I mean, I prefer 8 over 7, but uh, I grabbed it. No and, comment. And, <laughs> and uh, went home. And anyways, we would always talk about it at school because he grabbed 8 as well, like almost the same weekend I did. And so we would like we would like play it at home and then we'd go to school and we'd like talk about it and stuff. And he would get so mad. He was like, they're called CDs. They're not called seed. Because it because of the way it's spelled, like with right, the capital yeah. S and the, the capital, capital D, D. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. They fucking train in a garden. I think there's something going, <laughs> yeah. something about that going on in there. <laughs> but I just remember him getting so mad all the time about that. So when you first saw this opening scene, what, what were your thoughts? Like, were you like, holy shit? Like, or were you like, what the fuck's going on? So I saw, and I didn't know that this was it, but I saw the opening scene kind of before I played the game because we had, we had a channel here. Um, it was an American station. It was Fox Rochester. And I would always watch like Dragon Ball and stuff on it. It was always on super late at night. And they had, they, they must've had like a video game store in Rochester because there was all, there would always be like, video game commercials and stuff and it was like you can get it at blah 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 whatever the store was called and they would they had the it was like the opening cutscene but it was a little different and i would love to find this trailer of the game it was basically the opening cutscene but there were some parts that were different about it mm -hmm. and they that was like the commercial was that part and i was like this looks so fucking cool and then yeah i when i fucking bought the game not knowing it was from that game because it was just an advertisement for the store. It wasn't an advertisement for the game, but it used that cutscene, like most of that cutscene. And I just remember thinking it was the coolest thing of all time. Um, when I played the game and it was a little bit different, I was like, what's all this like angely shit? Like it didn't have like the feather yeah. and stuff like that. And it didn't show the meadow because it was trying to look like this cool video game store commercial, right? And I just, yeah, I when i saw that stuff i was like oh what's this stuff but but yeah i i thought it was really cool um i thought it was like this big fight and i honestly thought the whole thing was a premonition until like two seconds later when you're like oh it was a you guys went a little too hard in training or whatever and you wake up in the as i called it at the time uh what did i call it infirmary you wake up at the infirmary because <laughs> Because I was like, what the fuck? I've never heard the word inf infirmary right. before, right? And it's so weird because people are always like, like, I'm not like a big reader. I read, I've read like comic books and stuff. But I've, <laughs> as far as like novels, I think I've read 1984. I've read War of the Worlds and uh, a couple of the Dune books. And that's it. Like, I'm not a fucking reader. I used to read a lot more, but I don't, I don't anymore. I can't. I've like, dude, my ADHD, I end up having to read the same fucking like page 
15 times. So it's like, there's no point in me reading this. If there's not pictures, I ain't buying it. <laughs> but anyways, um, I just remember um, people would always be like, oh, you're never going to learn new words if you don't read. But a lot of the new, a lot of the words I know is from playing like video Same. games. Same. Yeah, like JRPGs and stuff. Because like you that. see a word and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, and then you look it up, and yeah, same with like a lot of myth. Like I've always loved mythology since I was like a little kid, mm -hmm. and and a lot of the uh, a lot of like with Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and all that stuff is all. There's so many like mythology references and all of that stuff. Well, all the summons in Final Fantasy are pretty much based off They're all mythology, except yeah. for like Cactuar or whatever. But so. If I were to ask you who you thought directed that trail that uh, opening cutscene, who do you think it would be? I would guess Nomura. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It I was. Mean, it's it's, it's so it's so easy to tell. Like you you can the look only at that. Thing, the only thing that could make it more Nomura is if fucking uh Squall and Cypher were like flying around while they were doing it. I know, right? Uh so the, a lot of the mysterious stuff at the beginning comes from you know, Nomura directing it and, and all that. So uh, just just a few things just to, to get, you know, when I first saw that, that cut scene, I fucking lost my shit. I thought it was like the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Ooh. I'm like, is this what the whole game is going to be like? Like, mm -hmm. now obviously it, it wasn't, but it, I was... And like, the graphics were so good. Like, like yeah, it was the best, at... it was the best looking PS1 game. Yeah, cut scene wise, anyway. Yeah, cut scene wise. Um... But yeah, I, I, you know, we get, we first get introduced into the Gunblade. And for me, dude, I thought the Gunblade was so fucking badass. I was like, Damn. I was like, you know, obviously after playing seven, you had the Buster Sword, which was iconic. But I feel like if you're going to go for recognizable or like, like Gunblade's more iconic than, or unique, than I guess. The Buster Sword. Iconic, I would disagree. Unique. I would totally go Gunblade because there's nothing like it. Like, yeah, you know, there's just nothing like it out like there. Like Buster Sword, it's just a fucking fat boy sword. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing really special about the Buster Sword. It's it's the it's the symbolism of it more so than it is the blade itself. Yeah, it's it's an iconic sword. It's you know, it's a gun with a fucking sword attached to it. Like, yeah, dude, it's just really cool. You know, um, Cipher has one. Uh, and and later on, you find out that the reason Cipher has one is because he actually idolizes Laguna, which is hilariously right. ir it, which is hilariously ironic when you think about the how this, the story unfolds and what we find out later, which we'll discuss later. But what we find out later, it, it's it's just hilariously ironic that him and Squall have this rivalry, mm. and then then he emulates Laguna. So. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I, for me, the Gunblade is one of the my favorite weapons of all time. Uh, just, it's incredible. It had Griever hanging off the back of it with the little pendant, you know. Um, I wanted, dude, because like I, I was like big into that whole like buying jewelry stuff, not jewelry necessarily, but like like high quality collectibles from the Square Enix store. Like I have all the. I have the ultimate key, the magic key, and the thieves key from the Dragon Quest games and stuff like that. I wanted the uh, I wanted like a griever thing so bad back back in the day. Yeah, I would totally love to get one. But uh, 
We also see a couple characters in that opening trailer. We see Renoa, who we don't know yet. Uh, yeah. Idea, which we, who we don't know yet. Uh, Squall and Cypher. Um, so we see four. And what's interesting, too, and you have the case, so you can actually hold it up and show people, but for people that are just listening, who is on the front cover of Final Fantasy VIII? You've got, you've got Squall, Rhinoa, Cypher, and then in the background, kind of looming over everyone, is Adeo. And what is she doing in that trailer? She is kind looming. of in the background, looming <laughs> over the battle that we're seeing. So it's kind of, they are playing into this heavy idea that she is important these two guys are important and the girl we saw in the beginning is important and it's shown on the front cover of the game itself so it's kind of all tied together um what a well-designed character by the way adea is i agree Uh, totally like like as soon as you see her there you're like okay that's the fucking bad guy like you know what i mean like she's got as soon as you see like her fingers you you see like She's very uniquely done up. Like like the the sorceresses in Final Fantasy VIII have a super unique look that like I don't I can't think of any game that has a similar look uh to like the characters that look similar to that or have that kind of style to to them. And it makes sense at when you get to the end and find out, okay, that was Idea possessed by Ultimicia, and that's why she has like the same kind of style when she's possessed because when when she's not well i guess when she's not possessed later on in the game she's keeps the style for some reason i thought that was kind of dumb but when before she was possessed she was just like this plain jane chick right i think she does put on her old clothes later but yeah i know i get what you're saying yeah um it's funny to me too because like two of my early childhood crushes came from this game (laughs) <laughs> Renoa, obviously, and yeah, then Idea awesome. is a fucking babe. Yeah, like, she is. Goddamn. And then those so Ultimicia. Yeah, Ultimicia is too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, she talks like a Mortal Kombat character. But I know that makes her hotter with the K's. <laughs> but uh, so I uh, test my might. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. Major characters in relative order of appearance. We have Renoa, who I wrote down as the leader of the Timber Owls, clearly has romantic chemistry with Squall. Squall, leader of the party, an eventual leader of Seed. He kind of is standoffish, doesn't really want to be a leader, but he's thrust into the position unwillingly. Uh, Cypher, we have a rival of Squall, becomes a day as night, weird sense of heroism and duty. Uh, former well, love. Well, he wants of, to become a knight also because right, of that movie, right? Right, exactly. He wants to be the sorceress of knight. Um, he was former, formerly romantically involved with Renoa. Uh, we have Adea, who is a sorceress with several hidden secrets central to the plot. And that's the other thing that I want to bring up, too, is that all of these characters are very, very central to the plot. Yeah, they are. More so than I think anyone else in the party. Um, then we have, uh, when we wake up in the infirmary, we have Alone, and we don't know who she is yet at all. That part was so confusing as a kid. Right. And that's the, what was that all about? That's the other thing. She clearly knows. And one of my notes is I said squall. So we meet again. That's her exact quote. So, you know, from the very beginning that we know this person or she at least knows us. 
So there's got to be a correlation between that and and Squall, but we and don't know what like, it is. Oh yet. my fucking head! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Quistus breaks into the into the infirmary, not really breaks in, but comes in. She's a young teacher. She's Puts only the door in. Yeah, she's only a year older than Squall, and she clearly has a thing for him. And she yeah, kinda, she was a babe. Yeah, she kind of chastises him for for getting into it with Cipher like that. Uh, after we get our Dalit mission, we meet Zell. He's hot-headed, but he's skilled martial artist. He's got a I Mike like Tyson Zell. tattoo, and he kind of continues the monk archetype that we see in Final Fantasy games. Yeah, dude fucking loves hot dogs. Does. He fucking he does. loves the glizzy. And I, I love that this game does such a good job of, like, making this... Every once in a while, it throws the fact that it's a high school drama in your face. Like, yeah, that's true. Like yeah. the biggest thing that Zell is worried about right now is that the hot dogs are on sale and they might be running Sold out. out by the time he gets. Yeah, to so, so you got to get to the cafeteria to get the fucking hot dogs. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you it's need- like some every once in a while, it's like a slice of life story, but right, which I think this, it, like- it's to the game's benefit. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I generally don't like that in in like shows and games and stuff but this one i feel like this one does it well because it's not all the time but it's just it's just there enough to like remind you oh yeah these guys are like fucking college kids like early fucking college kids right and uh it's funny too because like the seriousness of everything going on around them like they're in the military they are military Mm -hmm. kids so they literally are going to graduate and go kill people yeah but to them, like, their biggest worry right now is the hot dogs. And that's just yeah. such a cool little detail that they throw in there. But, so, Selfie. We meet her in the hallway outside of the classroom. I fucking hate Selfie. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Uh, young <laughs> young and energetic member of Balam Garden. Loves planning events at the Garden Committee. Uh, is a transfer from another garden. Uh, I was going to say Transformer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, later on, we meet Irvine. Uh, he's skilled but terribly anxious sniper and marksman. Also, fashions himself a ladies' man. Yep. Uh, and then we have him and only him. We have Sid, who's the the headmaster of Ballam Garden, played by Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. Might I add. Uh, the and great, then the obviously the main bad of the game is Ultimecia, evil sorceress that wishes to complete a time compression spell to take over all periods of time. That's kind of a general. I love the whole time compression thing, like the the concept and the fact that you get to experience it because like the whole game, not the whole game, but like the last maybe half or third of the game, you're like, you you hear about this whole time compression thing and you're like, fuck, we can't let that happen. And then you meet Laguna and he's like, nah, dude, the only way we can beat this bitch is if we let that happen. Because a lot of times in JRPGs, you just prevent that thing from happening and then you're like, we save the world in the end, right? Yeah, but, but this time it actually while, happens. Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while they they do it where like no no it happens. And in this case, it's almost like they're they're baiting it, like they they want it to ha- they need it to happen really to beat her, right? And it it's almost like they're they don't want her to know that they want it to happen, right? And then and then it happens. And the fact that you get to experience it, that's like one of the coolest things. Uh that cutscene, they're like, yeah, that part's fucking cool, well, dude. And the fact that like Squall legit thinks that he's lost everything now. Yeah, like, he genuinely believes that that it's over. 
Is that when point. they come back or when they go there though? That that's that before they go there. Like he has that that alone time with Renoa. Oh right, yeah. Where it's like we're fucked. Like yeah, he's no like other he options. he genuinely believes like it's over. Like the world's it's we're done. We failed. There's nothing else we can do. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like Laguna and alone that kind of come up with that plan, isn't it? I think so. I believe. I think so. Yeah. Um. So we've do- we've talked about the opening sequence. Uh, let's get into the Guardian Forces, because this game had some very unique summons that you could get. Um, it also had a weird way of getting some of them. So. Yeah, I was going to say, so right at the start, like, the, the first ones you get are completely, like, not missable, as in you'll never get them again, but missable if you didn't know to check your fucking computer. Yeah, so if you, just yeah. just like the, that plot point we were talking about earlier... They've got these GFs that, like, are pretty fucking necessary for the game, and and it's right at the start, and, like, most people would just walk out the classroom door and start beating up T-Rexors. That's what I did. <laughs> and, and like, you need these GFs to, to basically build up your characters because of the way the leveling system works in this game. Well, yeah, and, and you get Shiva, and I always... I was calling him, like, Quezcodal. I think it's Kazakotl, I think, but I'm not sure. Be. It's a, I believe it's a Mayan thing yeah, or, so, or an yeah. Inc- Incan thing, something like that. But you get Shiva and Kazakotl from the desk. Uh, this is where you find out that the Guardian forces cause memory loss, but this is the other thing that you can miss. Um, the tutorials here are fucking horrible, by the way. Yeah, they are. Oh, yeah. So before we did the the podcast, I was I was showing kind of. Alex the uh, the manual and stuff because I still have the manual and we looked for the for the junction uh, system part of it. It's eleven pages in the manual, which is the, ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But yeah, so the tutorials in this game are fucking terrible. By the way, um, I think this is another reason why I don't like Katase and Nomura's style because they kind of give you a brief rundown of everything and then they put everything uh, relevant in descriptions like if you go back and you read in the menu the oh, description yeah. of the tutorial it's so much more in depth there's like a glossary with all the terms that that, yeah. are, that is there and it's like why was this not explained to its fullest if you were going to make me spend 20 minutes doing a fucking tutorial why did you not just put this in the fucking tutorial <laughs> yeah it's like why the fuck even do that what like <laughs> They put yeah, something relevant to how the game fucking works. Like, they don't even explain what, what GF is. It just says GF. Girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you have <laughs> to go that, in... I don't think girlfriend existed yet. Like, GF I'm not sure. Girlfriend even existed. But, but you have to look and be like, okay, this is what Guardian Forces are. This is what they do. This is the junction system. This is what it does. Blah, blah, blah. So it's just, this is one reason I cannot stand the way they do games, because of shit like this. After you get Shiva and Kazakotl, you walk out and trip into uh, Selfie, and you also get Triple Triad in that hallway. And, one of uh, the greatest minigames. One, one of the greatest minigames of all Possibly time. Possibly the only, the only Final Fantasy minigame to top Blitzball. It definitely tops Blitzball, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and so we get our first introduction to Selfie um, and Triple Triad. You, I think they give you your first deck. 
Um, I spent a lot of time playing Triple Triad. I never have completed the uh, Queen of Cards quest, though. I did. I never Dude, completed it. I played so much Triple Triad. Um, so, after this, we go and we're going to the Fire Cave to defeat Ifrit. Um, and this is timed. And you can choose your time, and the faster yeah, you do it... it yeah, it's yeah, the like faster you do it. Basically. Yeah. So the way the way the system that works in this game, and it's kind of a cool system, is called the seed system. And you earn your money by I think I don't remember what the time is, like the it, there's an internal clock in the game, and when it runs out, you get paid. Yeah, well, like depending, a timer almost right. going off in the background. Yeah, it's like a hidden timer. You get paid timer. by the hour, basically. Yeah, so you are... Which is weird. You have this rank, and your rank is determined by things that you do. So your your seed rank is determined by the Fire Cave and the Dalit mission. And when you're done yeah. with those two things, they combine your scores, Rewarded and that determines it. your seed rank. You yeah. can increase that seed rank by taking tests at the desk back at school, but, uh... You can also do it, uh, you can, depending on your performance, I think, throughout the game, I think you can... I think so, too, yeah. As well. But the seed test, you didn't have to go to the school. It was right in the in the. Oh, main that's right. Menu. Yeah, it is yeah, in the yeah. game menu. And but... the best way to increase your seed rank, actually, is to go on down to the library where they have internet and download all the answers to the seed tests. I, used to, I did that every time. So you get A rank right away. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and so, like, it's Wait, really but, cool but that this game had a lot a of systems that kind of were separate from each other, but kind of worked together in, in the, yeah, the lore did. of the game. Like, you are rewarded for being, for completing tasks. Yeah. That you don't normally get right? True. Like, normally okay. it's like an enemy or a boss fight. That's it, right. usually. Or a you, treasure chest. You did this mission Wait in... Wait a minute. Are there no treasure chests in Final Fantasy VIII? Holy fucking shit. I don't I think just, there are. I... Uh... I... Dude, I don't, I don't know. a single one. I don't either. Oh, fuck. What the fuck? I just thought... I. Now that you mentioned that, I don't think there was. <laughs> I don't think there was either. Let us know in the comments, guys. Yeah, let us know in the comments, because that's interesting. I'm not like, sure. Like, other than, uh, and I don't know if these count, but, like, there there were things you could interact with. Yeah, I don't maybe that's why Maybe that's why they decided to go the salary route instead of... Very possible. Um. So, you, yeah, you get a salary, basically, uh, because you're a military... Like, you're in the military now. Yeah. yeah, once you graduate, you are in the military. So you're getting, like, a pay, like a salary. Um, and, and depending on how well you do, you can upgrade that salary. Um, you know, obviously the junction system is separate from that. But basically, your seed ranking is determined by how fast you do the Ifrit mission. Uh, there's certain parameters, like, do you, in Dalit mission, and we'll get to that, but in Dalit mission, if you stop and talk to an NPC, that docks you points. Do how many times do you fight the the spider? That docks you. You ever points. kill it? Uh, I haven't killed it completely, but I have knocked it out. Uh, depending on like certain choices you make in the Dalit mission, your seed score will either go up or down. And there's actually there is a scale somewhere online. I don't remember what it is. I think the strategy guide had it too, but oh. it tells you how to score the highest on the test 
or the the mission. But uh, yeah, so after you, if you go in the cave and you fight it for it, you will. There's certain things that you can do. So you can obviously the goal is to defeat him. But if you use Shiva against Ifrit, he actually remarks about her. He makes a comment yeah, about that, her. I like that. And I thought that was really cool, too. That was the, the Guardian. And that never happens again, I don't think. Except for the Cypher fight, if you use Odin. Yeah, if you use Odin the, in the, the Cypher fight, uh, he will dist- he will cut it in half. And then... Uh, oh, badass must Cypher be to yeah, no shit. kill Odin. And then Gilgamesh will come in in his place. Garugamesh. But, uh, yeah, so, like, it, it's With one a of cardboard the... arm, by the way. That's, like, my <laughs> yeah. favorite. That's my favorite Gilgamesh. Because Gilgamesh <laughs> is, like, a joke, like, most of the time, right? And he looks so badass in it, but they still have to have that little bit of joke. Yeah, that little thing. That fucking cardboard arm. Uh, so you get done, you come back to school, and you receive the Dalit mission. And what's funny about the Dalit mission is, did you ever play the demo for 8? That's the Dalit mission is like the entire demo basically. Yeah, the Dalit mission is the but demo. But different, but a little bit different. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but it is the demo. And that's what I think a lot of people thought was going to start Final Fantasy 8. Mhm. But no, it's the Dalit mission is like a couple hours into the game. Um but uh so the boat, like the boat ride there that the the stuff like inside the boat was kind of lame, but when you go outside, that cutscene was. Oh, so the cutscene was dope as do, fuck. Do, 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 do. Like but you got moon like reflecting oh, on the water yeah. like that, and then the the boat going through it in the wake, like kind of splitting the reflection, and then and then you're like, you've got like this impending sense of like doom because that's what it is, man. Like as much as people are like, oh, soldiers, like uh, fighters and stuff, for example. It's like, oh, this guy's so badass. But that's the that's that feeling, man. Like it's it's you're hyped up, but there's that sense of impending doom. Like shit could go wrong. People well, are they could die, die, and it could be us. Yeah, right. And um, and and so you have the music. The way the music goes with that cutscene and that whole scene is so good because you got that impending doom, and then you've got that as soon as they make landfall, the music just picks up, and it's like, and it's just like if you're like in a fight or something, you've got you've got all of a sudden, boom, the adrenaline kicks in, right? It's fucking go time now. It's, it's, it's that impending doom is gone because that ain't going to help you through this, right? It's that, it's that drive to that adrenaline rush is the only thing that's going to get you through this now. And so, that's the way the music goes. Speaking of inside the ship, I have, I have some notes here about it. Uh, Cypher's clearly being a dick. Squall's kind of like, eh, whatever. But then Cypher calls Zell a chicken wuss. That is the dumbest, like... I know, but it's so great. Uh, Because he's being a dick, though, uh, it eventually ends up costing him the grade that he needs to pass and graduate. So because Cypher kind of goes on his own later Mm -hmm. in the mission, he fucks himself. And that is kind of a, a point of contention for him as well. Yeah, he kind of holds um, it against the others, though. Right. He, like, he kind of blames them for it. A little it. bit, yeah. Um, we go to the, the top of... we go. Yeah, the dog. Uh, we go to the top, which I think is also part of the Dalit mission uh, grade. So we go to the top of the tower, which satellite is... A, which is a sad. Uh, it's a satellite broadcast thing. And we fight everybody's favorite characters, Biggs and Wedge. 
Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're really good in this game. They're like, really good in this game, this and they're they're repeat bosses too. Yeah, this this is probably my favorite incarnation of Biggs and Wedge in the whole series. I think. Yeah, I would agree too. Um, and then after we defeat them, we get into a fight with another boss. I cannot remember the name of the boss, but it's like Gray Gnarl or something <clears throat> like that. Yeah. So this is the first time where we obtain a guardian force from an yeah, enemy like accidentally and we get siren <laughs> so siren she sucks ass <laughs> yeah she's not very good but <laughs> but if you're going for a hundred percent run you're gonna get siren from this boss and there's um, nothing that tells you to do that so like, no if you're... it's literally just if you're drawing magic from this boss which that's another thing about the game that we need to talk about too is the drawing system and how kind of it is kind of ass like but, yeah, I mean, if you use if you just use card mod, you never need to really do it other than for the the summons and stuff, right? Which is why it's so easy to miss summons because I use the cards and stuff pretty much the whole time, right? And well, like I I love I love and hate the draw system because like you have all these random draw points and there's like all these spells that you'll never get unless you use item refine or you know yeah. you have to like find these items or you have to spend so much money or you have to do this or you have to do that and it's like god damn it's and like the just... draw points take forever to replenish too right and you need these for for junctioning and like this is where stats in the game right because leveling does... right and that's the other thing about the game is that it makes the game harder to actually level up so it it discourages grinding which is mm. kind of the opposite of what you normally get in an rpg yeah. So, like, I I love this game, but I know it has flaws, and I feel oh, like absolutely. the junction slash draw system is a very big one. And I love... Right. <laughs> the first time I... Uh, so I got to the train mission, I think, in Timber. Oh, where you're unhooking the trains and yeah. stuff? Okay, so when I got the game, keep in mind, all I had... My entire... Uh, was, like, just fucking grinding forever. Like, when I was a kid, I couldn't understand the story, really. I was too young. So my the thing I loved about it was I would grind. Now I can go a little further away from town and see some new cool monsters. That, that was, like, my whole drive when I played that as a kid originally. So I love grinding for so many reasons, and that's one of them. I was level 25 before we left for the Dalit mission. And not only that, I could not figure out, um, was it when we, when, when do you change your uniform? Is it when you get back from the Dalit mission? You yeah, because I, th yeah, I think it's, uh... yeah, I think so. Okay, so I did <sighs> the, I did the Ifrit part. I think I was like level 15 or something when I went and fought Ifrit. Like I was just grinding on fucking, those stupid plant things and the caterpillars 
and the the catter chip pillars yep and uh those cool uh blue guys those guys are cool actually in the balam field or whatever they i don't have, like, remember that, that little skeleton thing and they're like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they look yeah, like yeah. giant jellyfish yeah yeah and now okay. that i'm older i know you you should really grind on the the fish because they give you good ap but right but I, I grinded on all that stuff. T-Rexors gave the most EXP, so I pretty much tried to grind on T-Rexors as much as possible. I fought Ifrit. He was hard as balls because I was level 15. And then I was like, all right, Ifrit was pretty tough, so I'm obviously underleveled. <laughs> so, so I went back. I Famous healed, last words. And then I grinded till I was level 25. Then I was like, all right, let's continue with the story. And then we went to Dalit, all the cool stuff happened, and I got absolutely fucked because I was level 25, everything was hard, and I I barely knew how, I didn't really know how the junction system worked yet, right? Um, Which I, and, there's a lot of people that still don't know how it works. Exactly. And so I was like, I was getting my ass beat, and I was like, you know what? I just got to start over. So I started over, and I was like, I was level 25 and I got my ass beat. Surely if I get to level 30, I can beat this. <laughs> so I hit the grind again. And uh, yeah, I uh, was level 30. And I did eventually beat it. Beat the Dalit mission. It was hard as fuck, though. Because I had, like, I don't think I had anything junctioned. And if I did, it wasn't properly. And I was level 30, so every monster was fucking level 30, and they knew how to play the game, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I missed I missed Siren, because why would I why would I draw magic? Because I never use magic. That's the other thing. I another thing I love about Final Fantasy VIII is the junction sh- system and how you junction magic. Because I fucking hate mages and I hate using magic in in JRPGs and like video games in general. Because most of the time, other than like the odd outlier, like Sea of Stars, where when you attack, you gain MP, most of the time, your MP is like, like if I'm going to take a fucking mage into a dungeon, he's useless to me until I get to the boss. Because I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to like, I'm, I'm punching with my fucking martial artist, I'm sorting with my warrior. I'm not going to be using magic with my mage because then I'll have no fucking magic when I get to the boss. Like, I hate mages so much. And so to me, once I understood the junction system, I was like, finally, magic is useful in a fucking JRPG to me. So I do love I do love the junction system even more for that. But anyways, so I got to uh, I didn't draw anything is what I was trying to get 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 across is I like there was no point because I'm not going to use magic because I never do. And so I get to gray Norl or whatever the fuck his name is elnoil i don't even know maybe it is elnoil and i i beat his ass really hard i remember being so excited when all of a sudden he starts fucking like spazzing out and shit and dis and dies and i remember doing that and then we and then you're getting fucked up by the damn elon musk's kid the crab and you uh you do that all stupid part you hit him you learn you got to hit him with lightning whatever we get back to to town, back to the garden, and they're like, put on your seed uniform and I'll see you at the dance. Elveret, by the way. Elveret, okay, okay. We'll put on the seed uniform and we'll see you at the dance. I could not get past that because I didn't know what the 
fuck my bedroom was. <laughs> so, so I was stuck there for like a long time, dude. And I just, oh, you know what I did? I just fucking grinded some more. I think I was like level 40 before I did the timber mission. Jesus. Because I had to wait until um, I was back at school. And I was like, dude, did you ever get past this part? Like, where the fuck do I go? And then that buddy that told me about the game was like, yeah, you just go. It's in, it's one of those hallways leading from the center of Balam Garden, right? And then you go to your dormitory and change your clothes. And I was like, fuck. But yeah, I was stuck there forever. And because I was stuck, it's, I'm not going to not play the game for the rest of the weekend. I'm going to grind on T-Rexors. Which, so I don't even, really I, hard. which I don't even know how you grind it on those at your level, because Jesus Christ, are those things hard? They're hard, yeah, dude. <clears throat> but I mean, I don't know. I, I grew up playing like... NES JRPGs, right? Where everything's fucking hard. Fuck, NES games in general are just fucking hard. Yeah, they are. Hey guys, thanks for watching this episode. By the way, don't forget that this is actually a multi-part series that we're going to be doing here on The Gaming Effect. Uh, we got talking about the game and realized how much we just really enjoyed talking about it, so we're going to split this episode into multiple parts so that we can record, get everything done, release episodes on time and just get out the things that we want to talk about because a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about I I felt like I had to be brief with so uh this is going the result of that is that we are going to get more a little bit more in depth and then we are going to uh finish wrapping that up so thank you all for watching and I will see you in the next episode thanks guys bye